welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. I'm Andy Hanasek, Senior Editor of Food Processing Magazine. It has been nearly 20 years since the Environmental Protection Agency has updated the effluent limitation guidelines for meat and poultry processing plants, and the agency is now quietly taking steps to make a proposal on new standards. Chris Young, Executive Director for the American Association of Meat Processors, or AMP, joins the Food for Thought podcast this week to talk through the process thus far. In this episode, Young says the industry is, of course, not opposed to environmental regulations, but AMP wants to shed light on some of the fundamental issues with the data the EPA assembled to put together this update, particularly in relation to the ability of small to mid-sized meat and poultry processors to meet standards set more in tune to the large processing facilities. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks so much, Chris, for joining me today on our Food for Thought podcast. The, the EPA has a, a potential proposed affluent limitation guideline coming out soon that AMP, the American Association of Meat Processors has gotten, you know, been a part of discussing over the past year. Let's let's jump in and talk about um, about that. If you could give our listeners maybe a little bit of background on what is potentially coming down the pike here and what has AMP concerned um, about the EPA's potential plan moving forward. Sure. Good to be with you, Andy, and just uh, great again to reconnect. So EPA um, has been working in the background um, on these affluent limitation guidelines. Basically, um, the first of these came out in 1974, last updated in 2004. And I I believe that EPA a year or two ago um, was sued by one of the activist groups and and uh, through a result of that, have looked at updating that. They've done some studies. And so we were able to sit in on part of what they call the final panel webinar, where they showed uh, where their thought process was going with it. And basically what is taking place is they're updating those guidelines to now um, include uh, the testing for phosphorus, phosphate, as well as increasing what they're looking at as far as nitrogen. And so in their background, EPA has come out and uh, done some testing, mostly at, well, not mostly, but all at larger plants. And they've come out to say that the wastewater coming out of uh, the meat industry has the largest and highest concentration of phosphate and nitrogen. And so what they're saying is happening is that gets into the waterways, whether it goes through a treatment plant or not, it gets into the waterways that cause algae blooms, kills fish, um, so on and so forth. When they've done their webinar and showed us the slides, some of our concern was what is the impact on the small processor? Um, what is the costing? Their original slide presentation they did back in May was quoting anywhere from 700,000 to over $4 million in capital costs to be in compliance. And then after that, it would be as much as four or $500,000 a year to stay in compliance. 
well, the second round of of uh, slide presentations for small plants, those producing less than a million pounds a year, they brought it down to a capital cost of five thousand, and then uh, five thousand dollars a year to stay in compliance. Our concern from AMP is, of course, is going to be the impact on small processors, but we don't believe that they've done enough. EPA has not done enough in understanding the industry, especially the small side, to be able to understand what really what the wastewater is coming out of those small plants and what the impact will be in their rural areas if there's really enough phosphorus or nitrogen coming out of those plants um, to have an impact. And so our concern is that they're moving forward too fast and that we're going to see a lot of small plants in rural America negatively affected. I don't believe there, I, I didn't believe the first round of costing they talked about. I don't trust the second round of costing. I think that 5,000 doesn't begin to touch it if you need to dig up pipes and put in places to test and treat. And so that's probably what, that's probably our biggest concern is going to be the financial impact on the small processor. How does the small processor kind of generally, and I know I've been doing enough of them, so I know that it, it it varies a lot, I'm sure, from processor to processor and municipality to municipality. Depends on if you're in a bigger city, if you're in a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. But generally speaking, how has the small processing community dealt with wastewater in, in the recent past? Because, you know, the recent with wastewater being kind of a hot topic over the last few decades, I would assume that, you know, 30 years ago, it's completely different than today. Yeah. So there's a multiple ways that our small processes do uh, deal with it. And as you alluded to, a lot of them are in small communities. And so it really depends on what the community has. Surprisingly, there's a, there's a pretty good number of small communities that do have a municipal waste system and they actually welcome our small processors because of the flow and type of uh, wastewater they're putting down into their system. It actually allows them to operate better for their municipal waste by having a small meat plant on there. It doesn't, it doesn't overrun their system, but it gives them enough as far as BODs and other things to be able to make their their systems function properly for their for the local community so we have a we that's really increased a lot we have a number of small processors that uh currently do not discharge into municipal system but some of them have like a lagoon system where it'll flow into one lagoon and then into another lagoon and then basically it, it evaporates off so they're not really discharging anywhere uh and so those would not fall under this ruling, but then you've got those that are in small rural communities. They may discharge, um, they may have a permit to discharge directly into a waterway. There's not a lot of those in the country from EPA's estimate. There's less than 200 meat plants in the country that discharge directly into a waterway. And then there's some that their stuff goes out and it gets spread on farm fields and so on and so forth. So the way the EPA looks at it, you have indirect discharges who discharge into a municipal waste system. Then you have direct dischargers who are directly discharging into a waterway. Those are the two main folks that are really um, looked at under this ruling. And that's the majority of our membership. Probably two thirds of it are, that's how they um, get rid of their wastewater. Is there a 
I don't know if magic number is the word, but magic number around the size of the processor here that might be negatively impacted versus someone who's big enough that this makes a lot more sense for these potential uh, EPA regulations? When you look at it, some of the larger plants certainly may be better equipped to financially handle it, but it's still going to impact them. Right now, uh, as I said, if you're producing less than a million pounds a year, EPA estimates it'll be $5,000 in capital costs. But if you get up into a larger plant, they're estimating it could be three and a half million in capital cost to come into compliance. And then as much as $700,000 a year to stay in compliance. So it's going to impact the industry right across the board, just that some, some companies, depending on size and financial footing, may be better equipped to handle that, even though it's, it's not pleasant. No, it's not going to be pleasant for anyone, but some, some larger, medium-sized uh, plants may be able to handle the financial impact a lot better than a small family-owned business um, that just may not have those resources in order to meet meet the expectations of what EPA has, depending on what those costs really come out to be. Do you see this having any larger implications for the food industry as a whole, or is this something that you know the meat industry, meat and poultry industry, is particularly being targeted for, and I don't mean targeted necessarily in a negative way in this case, even though there's been examples of maybe where targeting the meat and poultry industry in the past has been negative. But, you know, can is this something that is kind of a canary in the coal mine for the rest of the food industry, or is this pretty much so tightly wrapped around the type of production and wastewater that meat and poultry produces? I think it could have larger reach into the food industry from from a couple different ways. So this new regulation is going to affect uh, meat processors. It's also going to affect renderers. So that cost will get passed on somewhere. But as I look at it, when I look at my small processors, this is what I mean by I'm not sure if EPA understands the small side of the industry as much. A lot of my members have a small meat plant in the back and they have a retail store on the front. And what's happening in that is a lot of them are purchasing purchasing in already, you know, boxed meat, you know, boxed chicken, boxed pork, boxed beef, and then turning it into other products. And so they're being affected by this. But if you really think about it, that really correlates to a lot of the grocery stores in America where They've got a meat department that's cutting meat and doing different things just as our small processors are. So there's a reach that could happen there. Um, definitely those costs are going to get added on. And so, you know, every steak that gets cut, every sausage that is made, all those different types of things are going to get added in. And so that correlates not just what am I selling out of my retail shop, but it's also what am I? What is, what is the cost of the stuff that I'm wholesaling to my to restaurants and to other places that are going to process or use my products? And so I think it has a little bit larger reach than just you know staying within the meat industry. It's going to reach out to everyone that we make products for um, and sell products to. Right, and I think that that leans into the question I was going to ask as well, which is 
this is it's crucial to note that this goes this is not just the meat packers this is the further processing plants and the steak cutters and the grinders and everything like that as well right yeah right now it's they actually have it broken down in their slide presentation about if you're doing slaughter and so on and so forth and then if you're doing further processing which is what a lot of people do and it really comes down to you know this is where some of the disconnect comes is because the small side gets really diverse the big side is diverse in some ways when you get into a small plant and you may have a day when you're just cutting beef or cutting pork but then you've got days when you're making sausage and bratwurst and those and then that's when you start talking about okay i I, i've got more phosphates involved in nitrite nitrate and um which feeds into the nitrogen part of it so it's it it's really trying to capture that so really it it is it is encompassing everybody um into it not just not just the big guys that are or a plant that's doing beef or hog slaughter or harvesting i should say um it's going to get into everybody and so everyone's going to be affected by it because these chemicals or you know natural ingredients are coming from the different types of processes that you do and so the way i the way i see it i don't know there's going to be a a meat plant that will be um, unaffected by it. So, Chris, where do you see the disconnect originating? Is it is it a lack of um, kind of that long-standing traditional institutionalized knowledge, new people working, new appointees, uh, pressure from uh, you mentioned activist groups earlier? Where where do you see where do you see kind of this? Uh, disconnect really originating if 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 you can pinpoint that yeah i i don't know if it's easy to pinpoint but i i just just from my standpoint i think that they're i think that they're trying to rush the regulation through too quickly i do want to make a point that as an organization amp wants to be environmentally conscious of what's going on and so if there's something going on in our small plants where the discharge is coming out of those is enough to be harmful in the small communities that they're in into the surface water and and such then we want to be a part of a sensible solution to that we want to be able to have a voice at the table in discussing what does that look like our our from my standpoint they've just pushed this through again i think in in part of it is in response to activists but um and because they've waited so long that there that there's a rush here to do this and and i I think that that's where our concern is for instance so they've done testing according to their own report that they've done testing at six plants all of them were larger plants so that's the snapshot of wastewater they've looked at and then the other information they gathered is they sent a survey out in the spring to early summer of 2022 to all meat establishments that you are supposed to fill out and send back in. Some of the questions were difficult. We tried to help our members through that. They asked for wastewater flow information. Well, as a small plant, even as a big USDA inspected facility, you don't have to keep track of that and report that. And so it's it's not part of what we have to do regulatory wise um as an industry so a lot of that information isn't available wasn't available especially from the small side of the industry and so they did that survey they asked for a lot of financial information 
A lot of plants were really reluctant to do that. So they got a lot of surveys back. You were required to get it back, but not fully filled out, not all the questions answered. And so they're using the results of that survey along with what they've done, wastewater testing and such. And that's how they how they're working to put this together. Well, then they had this pre-panel um, that they showed a bunch of slides to in early May. And then the final panel was the one we were a part of. There's only two of them and we were in it in July. And so they've allowed us to give input, so on and so forth, submit comments. And so that's really the whole information gathering. And so from my standpoint, I don't think as diverse of an industry as the meat industry is, I don't think that they under, are even close to understanding what really goes on in the industry and what affects the wastewater leaving the plant and how that all comes together. So that's our greatest concern. So what what actions can can processors take now to either, you know, to to try and become part of the solution, right? What whatever whatever becomes of this, what actions are you guys telling your members and telling the industry at large and now telling my listeners? <laughs> sure. So we use an organization um, and part of the organization, they have a they have a section called Voter Voice. So we've been informing our membership through social media and through newsletters and so on and so forth. But in the beginning of October, we sent them an email through Voter Voice, and on it had a button they could click on that says "Take Action." And so they clicked on that button. It gave them the contact information for their U.S. congressmen, specifically whatever state they were in, their U.S. congressmen and their U.S. senators. And we encouraged them to contact their congressmen and senators. People ask, well, why why are you doing this so early? People from other organizations. And it's because Congress had no idea. Again, it's not a proposed rule yet, so it's not out for public information. But we wanted to make sure that congressmen and senators on Capitol Hill were aware that EPA was coming with this because it was coming through rather quietly. And so we had about 400 of our plants that um, responded to that. We've had a lot of interaction with, especially from the part of the Midwest, we've had a lot of interaction with congressmen and senators from on Capitol Hill. Um, we've talked to senators that were part of, that are part of the EPA Oversight Committee for the Senate had no idea what was happening. And so basically right now, there's not a lot of action to take. We've kind of made Congress aware of it. We're waiting for the proposed rule to come because when the proposed rule comes and it gets posted to the Federal Register, then it'll be open for public comment. And uh, everyone in the industry and in the public domain will have a chance to leave comments on it. And then of course, when th that comment period is done, then it'll go back and they'll either make adjustments to it or whatever, and then they'll come back and make a final rule. And right now the timeline looks like implementation would begin sometime in 2025. And what their proposal is, is that if you are directly discharging, then you would be need to be in compliance when your permit needs to be renewed, which the permits for di direct discharge are once every five years. And then if you are discharging into municipal waste um then you would need to be in compliance it's they're going to kind of stagger it in over the next three years beginning in 25. uh and so that's really what the timeline looks like at this point so the call to action we'll have another call to action 
um, once the proposed rule is made official and we see what it says. There's a chance, there's a chance for us that they may give us an exemption for plants under a certain size or not. That's an option that they have built into the um, how EPA operates. And we're hoping that that will be the case. Um, but again, we're just hoping that they'll slow it down maybe and gather some more information and we can be part of a uh, part of a, a more reasonable discussion about what, what the solution is. Give me the the best case scenario and the worst case scenario from from your standpoint on this. Well, there's two best case scenarios. Best case scenario is one for the small processor would be that they would come up with some sort of exemption and bypass it and then maybe take some time to um, look at the industry closer or that for the industry as a whole that they would just not propose this rule that they would come out and they would say that they're looking at gathering more information and doing some deeper dive studies into it and then that they're going to sit down with industry folks and have discussions about a reasonable solution to it that would be another best case scenario worst case scenario is they just push forward with what they proposed in december when the new proposed rule comes out and um we just see from there if they just come through with none of the suggestions and they just push forward with what they're with, with the limitations that they're looking at the levels and stuff because it's pretty tight and uh so that that would be worst case scenario because then you got to go out and figure out what is it actually going to cost to test or to treat um because not all they've got a bunch of different ones that seem to be simple but you never know till you go to do it which ones are going to work in what plant and and uh and such so that's worst case scenario just that they leave it the same just as it is and just charge ahead and i say that because if they don't make any changes and they just charge ahead with what they proposed after giving us an opportunity to have input and talking to us who i think are experts um in the industry i mean amp represents the largest amount of plants in the country we have about 1700 members um, and so we definitely represent the largest amount of small processors in the country. So if they're not going to heed anything that we say, then it's really a bad situation because they're just going to charge ahead and, and our voices isn't being heard at all. And they're, and they're changing regulations that it's not as though there's nothing in place, right? Obviously, right. and it's not as though they are expiring reg regulations. There's no expiration date on these regulations. So really you're just saying, let's work together, not rush and get these, get these regulations if they need to be updated, updated properly with good science, good data behind them and not just cram something through. Yeah, because what, what has happened, I mean, we're not the only industry that discharges this type of stuff, but they've identified us as the worst. And so, Really, the issue is um, the the testing of for phosphate is new. The testing for nitrogen is not, but they haven't really tested it to this level before. So basically, they're looking at the industry to clean things up because they've never asked the municipal waste places to test for this. So up to this point, they don't know that they have a, a local municipal place uh, treatment facility doesn't know that they have a problem 
coming from their local meat plant because they've never been asked to test for this type of stuff. They've always tested for BODs and other chemical type things. They're also looking at chloride um, also on top of it, but chloride's kind of an afterthought behind the phosphate and the nitrogen one. So even though these have been in place, there are some new chemical compounds, so to speak, that they're looking at testing that they haven't tested before or not to the level that they're asking it to be tested now. Okay, Chris, anything else you wanted to add that we didn't cover on this? No, I think we've covered quite a bit of it. Again, we're just waiting to see the proposed rule. This is all we've seen is what their thoughts were. You know, people can certainly follow us. We'll have stuff on our website. It's www.aamp.com. Um, and then we've got social media channels out there and, and, and such. So we'll be posting stuff there. But as soon as the new rule comes, we'll certainly get word out. And then people will be able to go to the federal registry and or we'll probably post links to it where people can go and see what the regulation says. We'll have information out to basically break it down and, and tell people what it all means. And so we're all just kind of sitting here now waiting for that day when they decide to post. For everyone listening in today to our Food for Thought podcast, thanks for tuning into this episode. You can find more of our podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere you can find podcasts. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future and have a great day.